Good morning. Okay. I don't know if I can see you there, Brother Buster. I may have to take that down. Y'all open up your Bibles with me this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 2. Devin's going to try to do his best to keep up with me on the mics this morning. And since, uh, well, you know, I'm a little, little bit of a shorter guy than a lot of people in this church, Brother Don. So, you know, I may have to come off the stage and I may get, that'll be okay. Becky will tell you that that'll be just fine as well. Uh, I know that if I'm not right here behind the pulpit, I'm going to be a little bit hard for some of you to hear in the back. So if I do come off the stage because that's just my habit, I'll try to just kind of open up and, and uh, talk a little bit uh, louder. Uh, of course, uh, you know, Brother Don would probably say, hey, y'all can all just come on down front, and I won't disagree with that. And so today we're going to be looking a look at worship, and I think it's just real interesting that most of the things that we've already talked about in Sunday school this morning had to do with worship, and we had great uh, blended worship this morning as we started, and thank you to the ladies for uh, their specials and to Karen for playing this morning. I just want to say thank you to all of you that have played host to us uh, down here so far, and uh, we've just enjoyed our time with you, and you're real friendly and real loving people, and we just uh, appreciate that uh, so, so much. Uh, I guess I probably, just to make sure that everybody has met them, I probably need to go ahead and introduce Becky and Kaylee, and I'm not going to embarrass them to make them stand up, and uh, I might you know, use her for a sermon illustration, Lisa, a little bit later, and that'll <laughs> embarrass her, you know, anyway, so we won't go ahead and stand up, but they're up here in the front, Becky and my daughter, Kaylee. Kaylee is one of our seven children, but uh, uh, Kaylee is the only one that is at uh, home with us long term. She's uh, tw in her 20s. And so open up your Bibles, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 2, and we're going to read the first 10 verses. We're going to have a look at worship this morning. Reading out of the King James this morning, it says, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. There, neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogance come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength, and they that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased, so that the barren has borne seven, and she that hath many children is wax feeble." The Lord killeth and maketh a lie. He bringeth down to the grave and he bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven he shall thunder upon them, and the Lord shall judge 
the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of his anointing. We'll go on to verse 11. And Elkanah went to Ramah to his house, and the child, that's Samuel, did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we just praise you as our God. And thank you so much for letting us come back together this morning to encourage each other and to worship you. We thank you, Lord, that there are other congregations around us that are doing the same. We pray you bless their ministries this morning as well. And Lord, we just uh, love you so much. And we thank you that you let us be a small part of your work. Lord, I thank you for our unity. I thank you for what she stood for in the past. Just pray over her future. And I just pray that you would have your will done here. Lord, we thank you so much for being involved in our lives each and every day. We thank you for giving us the children that uh, we can take care of and raise uh, up for you. We just pray, Lord, that you'd help us to do a good job of that. We pray, Lord, that you'd just help us today as we go to the scripture to open our hearts and our minds to you. That you'd show us the things that you want us to do tomorrow and the day after. And we just pray that you'd just help us to apply your word to our hearts. Uh, we thank you for our people that have gone before us. We pray over their ministries. We just ask that you just uh, cleanse my lips and heart this morning. And pray that you just let me say the things that you want me to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know about y'all this morning, but uh, I'm a little nervous. Buster was a little nervous when we pulled up in the Parsonage parking lot this morning. And he said, well, I don't know, you know, who that is, so I guess I better come check it out. And he says, you know me. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we, we find ourselves in strange new situations. That's just from time to time, though, because our lives, they really go on day in and day out. Uh, we have a lot of the same routines, you know. We get up and we, we go to work. We uh, are going to have the same kind of kid problems that the people down the street, you know, have had. We, we get up and we go punch the clock. Uh, we go and we work with our crews. We go to the office and, you know, we have those things that just happen day in and day out. And even though the crisis of life seems to really happen in a moment, the reality is that most of our life is built on long years of experiences. We uh, pray about things that we need right now. We pray for the things that we want right now. But the reality is, is that our God and our King is concerned about the issues that He had planned long before the world began. And that He knows will happen in our lives in the years to come. And so often when we're in a position like young Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 2, we don't realize until we look back years and years later what God is doing in our lives. And a lot of times we don't understand. If you read the book of Samuel and you go to the first chapter, what you find is you find a young man and a young lady who fall in love. A guy by the name of Elkanah and a lady by the name of Hannah. They wanted all of the things that young couples want. They wanted a good life. They wanted kids. They wanted to raise those kids uh, in a way that was pleasing to God. And uh, they got married. And 
under Jewish law, they had been betrothed for about a year. Then a year would have gone by while they were trying to get pregnant. That didn't happen. And life that just seems real joyful and full of promise and hope, you know, begins to kind of grind down just a little bit. Elkanah would have needed to have a child to carry on his legacy, to go into the future for him. So he really didn't have a whole lot of a choice but to, to marry Kanina. And so, you know, he was with her for a year of betrothal. A year while they tried to get pregnant. And can you just even imagine how Hannah's heart sunk deep down when Kanina announced that she was going to have a boy? There's joy in that household. Life is continuing to go on. The boy comes. I'm sure Elkin was happy. I'm sure Kanina was happy. <coughs> but Hannah's life is not going like she really wants it to. And it's not really going like she planned it to go. Another year goes by. Kanina has another child. She weans that child. Another year goes by, and she has yet another child. And at this point, things start getting tense in that household. They start getting tense in that household as Benina realizes that Hannah will never have a son. That Hannah is just that odd girl that my husband loves. And I don't understand why God put her in my life either. And so this household in 1 Samuel chapter 1 is just a, a mess. It's a turmoil of things. People don't understand what God's doing, and people don't understand what God's plan is, and people have their own agendas, and people have their own plans, and people, you know, just don't understand what God's doing. About year number eight, we find 1 Samuel chapter 1, and we find this really broken woman. They've gone to the temple in Jerusalem. They did that as a family tradition every year. They take the best of their sacrifices. The family would go as a whole to Shiloh where the tabernacle was. They, they would approach the priest there in the way that they were supposed to worship. They would offer it the best. They would offer their tithes. They would offer their offerings. Elkanah would always take care of Hannah. And we find after a meal one night in 1 Samuel that she ends up at the door of the tabernacle. And her heart is so broken, and she's crying, and she is upset, and she mouths the words to God, those prayers that we speak in our closet, and when we cry out to God about the things that we want so badly, we promise God things, sometimes we promise God things foolishly, and in my case, uh, I promise God that if he'd just be real specific about the way that he would call me to pastor, I'd uh, you know, surrender to the ministry and, and pastor. I said, hey, I'll do this if you'll do that. And that's what we find in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And so Eli comes to her because she's just mouthing her words and she acts a little bit on the drunk side. And so he comes to her and he says, uh, you need to get your life right. You need to straighten up. You need to fly straight and, and worship like you're supposed to. And she says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I, I'm coming from my heart here. I'm real sincere in my worship. I had things going on for a long time in my life that God knows about. Because Hannah's perspective on herself 
myself and Hannah's perspective on God and Hannah's perspective on the future has changed over the last decade. See, life is like that. We don't see 10 years from now today. We don't understand the things that will happen in our lives 10 years from now today. We're very focused on ourselves and we're very focused on our stuff and we're very focused on our families. But the reality is that God wants us to worship him and he wants his focus to be on him. And hers was that way. She was very focused, hyper focused there at the door of the tabernacle at Shiloh. And she asked for a son. She didn't ask for a child. She didn't ask for a daughter. She didn't ask for a whole clan. She asked for a son. And she made a promise. She said, give me a son. And I'll give you him back to you. All the days of his life. So Hannah had gone from a happy marriage, a happy life, to simply wanting to do what God wanted her to do. Nine months later, God came to her. Gives her this son. I, I think it shocked Penina. I think the, that whole family dynamic changed. You know, that happens in houses sometimes, right? You know, you just have things change and you don't know why they change, but God places new individuals in your life and, and the whole thing is, is different today than it was yesterday. God granted her wish and a year later, Elkanah gets ready to go back to the tabernacle there. So she goes to Kishim and she brings him there to the tabernacle together. Can you imagine that? Ten years. She was waiting on this baby. And some of you ladies, you know, if you waited nine months and it seemed like it was just forever. Ten years. She waits on this baby. And now, in a moment, he's going to be born. But I told you that long story out of the scriptures tells you that Hannah's view of worship, as we find in 1 Samuel chapter 2, this song, prayer, from chapter 2, verse number 1 through 10, was the product of this 10 years of her life in crisis. We find three things in this particular passage of scripture. say it when we hire a new pastor, that over the course of the next decade, the thing that you will influence the most is you will influence your worship. You will influence how you serve. You will influence how you sing. You will influence your daily life and how you relate to yourself and to God and to your future. Samuel chapter 2, look at verse number 1. The very first thing that Hannah's view of worship teaches us is that you need a proper perspective of yourself if you're going to worship. Look at that verse with me. And Hannah prayed. And she said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. She's there at the door of the tabernacle and she's fixing to drop off 
doesn't say, my joy is in Samuel. And she doesn't say, my joy is in Elkanah, who's loved me all of these years. She doesn't say, my joy is in my family. She says, my joy is in the Lord. I don't think she said that 10 years ago. That was a, a new perspective on worship, a new proper perspective of herself as she related to all of the things that God wanted her to do in her life. And you notice that as that verse goes on, that it says, my, my horn is exalted in the Lord. When we go into the scripture and we see horn, horn is about power and it's about strength. In that particular society, Samuel would have been her horn when she was old and she couldn't take care of herself. It wasn't like she was going to go uh, in the nursing home on Medicaid. Samuel was her hope. Samuel was where she was going to get her provisioning from. Samuel was where she was going to get her strength from. But as she sits at the door of that tabernacle, she's not concerned that Samuel's not going to be there to take care of her all of her life because her horn is exalted in God. Her strength is exalted in God. And so she comes before God in worship with a proper perspective of herself and a proper perspective of where her joy is from and where her strength is from. And because of that, she's able to raise her voice in praise, and she's able to raise her voice in prayer, and she's able to approach the throne of God with a proper perspective of herself. And the last thing in that verse, and a great joy in her salvation. Now, this song is interesting. That after 10 years have come, that she's not found her joy in the material things of life. Look at verse number two with me. The second thing that we must have if we're going to have proper worship in our churches, if we're going to have proper worship in our lives, is we must have a proper perspective of God in our worship. Look at verse number two. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bowels of the mighty men are broken. They that stumble are girded with strength. They that are full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry cease, so that the marin has borne seven, and she that has many children wax feeble. The Lord killeth, and he maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave, and he bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor, and he maketh rich. He bringeth low, and he lifteth up. He raises the poor out of the dust. He lifts the beggar from the dunghill. He sets them among princes to make them inherit the thrones of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord, and he has set the world upon them. And so Hannah, as she's come through this experience, 
she's crying all alone in her tent when Elkanah was with the nine. She had no one else to turn to because the God of the universe that is unique and special in every way, different from us. He tells us as Christian people, he says, be holy as I am holy. But we can never truly be holy like God. Holy, as we look at the original languages, it, it is to be distinct, completely different, unique in every characteristic and in every way. And how so many times we're in our life, we try to kind of shift the circumstances, right? You know, I was thinking about my secular career before I surrendered to ministry the other day as we were driving down. And you know, there were lots of times in my life where I saw an opportunity, I saw something that could be exploited, and I said, yeah, I can make that happen. And a lot of the times I did. <coughs> and that's just uh, human nature, to look after our own interest into the interest of others, to make things happen, to, to capitalize on opportunities. I made a commitment as I was coming in beautiful call down here. I said to Becky, I said, if God leads us to unity, it won't be because we manipulated our way in. Because we have to have a proper perspective of ourselves. We have to have a proper perspective of God if we intend to worship. And first and foremost, we have to honor his holiness, his uniqueness, that he has a unique plan, that he has unique characteristics. Hannah goes on in this particular passage of Scripture. She said, he is a God of knowledge. He knows all things. We look so finitely at things, and we think we know what we want, and we think we know where God wants us to be. Young men, they run, and they, and they make things happen. But many of us that have matured a little bit, we, we come to situations in our life and in our families, and we say, all right, well, God's in control. He'll do the things that I need. You know, he can't uh, go after that kid that's gone astray. They won't come back to church, and they won't come back to, to God because of you. But they will come back to God because he works in their life, and he lays on their heart. things left. 
so pleasant they would do all things well. But just the right place and time, at just the right moment, he took himself out of eternity, time, and space, and he became a man, born of a virgin, raised like we are as people, having the same experiences that we have as people, 100% God, 100% man, and able to heal and defend nature, he came to heal man too. You say, because he's omnipotent, because he's all-knowing, because he's holy, he goes to the cross of Calvary for your sins and mine. He, he dies on that cross after suffering for our sins, and three days later he comes up from the grave because he is omnipotent, and the grave could not hold him. of the God that we worship. And lastly, as we look at this psalm of Hannah's and the perspective that she illustrates for us so well after the 10 years of life experience that we've been talking about, and in 1 Samuel chapter 2, as we look at verse number 9, we find the third thing that Hannah shows us, that if we're going to worship and we're going to worship properly, then we should maintain a proper perspective of the future. Look at verse number nine with me. He will keep the feet of his saints. Now, I want you to notice just right there that all of the verbs that we've been talking about all through this passage of scripture, they've been present tense to this point, right? They've been about the here and now. They've been about me, mine, mine in the first verse. They've been about God all through this particular passage of scripture to this particular place. And all of a sudden, with the maturity of a, of a lady that has come to know her Savior intimately, I think has come to, to know him and worshiping him privately and corporately through the years, we, we find that with this maturity that Hannah comes to verse number 9 and her focus shifts off of herself and off of the general nature of God and her verbs change and she begins to use, you'll catch them here as we read it, will and shall. These are not verbs that are, are present. These are verbs that talk about the future of things to come because God has a plan for each of our lives. He has a plan for each of our churches, and he has a plan for the future that he will carry out to the very end. His adversary is never strong enough to thwart those plans. His adversary can only hinder those plans as, as God allows because in the end we will see Jesus as the one exalted and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father is the way that Paul put it. And so we see Hannah here in the Old Testament and as she shifts her verse, she says, he will keep the feet of the saints. If you need a eternal security of the believer passage, maybe that's it. He will. He, he not maybe. He, he will take care of some and not others. That's not what she said. He will keep the saints. He'll keep them forever if they've accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And there is definitely another future in the second, in that verse number nine, the wicked shall be silent in the darkness. The fact of the matter is, is that Jesus died for our sins. He was raised from the grave. But if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the fact of the matter is that eternal security and a fellowship with God in eternity does not count for you 
Savior. There is no relationship with the God of the universe who is the same Jesus who brought us. There is a real place called hell. It's unavoidable. You can't get out of it on your own. No matter who your daddy is. No matter who your kids are. We must have a proper perspective of the future. For by strength shall no man prevail. In verse number 10, the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of the heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of his anointed in worship. We know that we have the eternal security of the believer. We want all of the lost to be saved. You must trust in the strength of the Almighty rather than yourself. And if you are saved, warn the others of the judgment to come in our churches. We believe that we are our great commission churches. Go ye in all of the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing those that believe and teaching them all things that Jesus taught us to teach. We do that through the great commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy mind, with all of thy strength, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, and my closest neighbor would be Becky. And so I start there inside of my family, and I work my way out into the Jerusalem that God has given me, the city that he has placed me into, and into the Samaria that we are involved in, the county that we are in, and into our state, and into our domestic work in the United States that we hope becomes great again. whether Becky and I may have come, come here to serve as the pastor. 
good community to participate in. Just the opportunity for God raising in front of us. Executes excellently in front of a lost world for Christ. But she goes beyond that to impact our country, to impact the world. And she's the prophetess. And that reminds you of each one of us individually. And the one lost, and he says, you're ready for our invitation to go home. For each one of us individually, if you are lost, it begins with that relationship with Jesus. If you need to accept him this morning, I'm your invitation to church. I'm your and I'll be your invitation. Let me let me take care of that for you. Thank you.